Bible Treasures Topic 5 Worship Welcome to the Sound Doctrine Telecast. One of the subjects of renewed interest in Christian circles is spiritual warfare. And the passage from the scripture that is very frequently referred to is from the 6th chapter of book of Ephesians. We have the passage from verse 13 on to verse 17. In this passage on spiritual warfare, we have six spiritual weapons which are listed out. Number one is belt. And number two is breastplate. And number three is shoes. And number four is the shield. And number five is the helmet. And number six is the sword of the spirit. You will find that of these six armor or weapons, you find the first five are mainly for our own protection or for our own defense. And the sixth one, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that alone is for offense. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ, during his spiritual warfare that he faced with the devil in the wilderness, he mainly and primarily used the word of God against Satan. Again and again he used that phrase, it is written. Let us quickly recollect those three temptations which Jesus Christ faced following his 40 days of fasting, which are recorded for us in the Bible. The first temptation was to change the stones into bread. Here was a temptation to misuse the miracle-working gift. And the next temptation was that he was put on the top of a tower and he was suggested to jump down so that the angels would uphold him. And that was the temptation to display your powers and also to gain cheap popularity. And the third temptation was the showing all the kingdoms of the world and that would become Jesus if only he would bow before the devil. And here was the temptation to adopt shortcut methods for promotion. Now, none of these temptations, beloved, can be overcome without the written word of God. Jesus did not say it is said like that. Rather, very specifically, Jesus said it is written. Yes, beloved, for all these temptations that we face in spiritual warfare, the primary offensive weapon is the word of God or the written word of God. Not only against temptations, but also against false doctrines, the primary weapon that we should use is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. For example, turn with us to the second chapter of book of Revelation. Now in the second and the third chapters of the book of Revelation, we have the letters of Jesus to the seven churches in Asia. We have the letter written to the church in Pergamos from verse 12 to 17 of the second chapter. That was the third church in this order. 
Now you find there were two false doctrines prevalent in this church. The one we have in verse 14, the doctrine of Balaam. And the next false doctrine we read in verse 15, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So you find there were these two strange doctrines in this church of Pergamos. And how would you confront these false doctrines? Now if you look at verse 12, you know how Jesus Christ introduces himself? These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. And when you come to the end of that letter, he says in verse 16, I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Yes, beloved, in order to confront false doctrines, the primary weapon is the written word of God. It is one thing to have the sword, and it is another thing to know how to use that sword. This telecast is trained you on how to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In this telecast, we not only expose false doctrines to you, we train you so you would use the written word of God against whatever false doctrine is prevalent. With this background, we are studying the subject of Christian worship. The title that is before us is How Not to Worship. So far, we have done five lessons. Number one, do not worship for personal enjoyment. Number two, do not sacrifice the scriptures for the spirit. And number three, do not leave the spirit for the content. And fourthly, do not forget the father. Last week we studied lesson number five. Do not neglect individual worship. Today we will move on to lesson number six. Do not separate life from worship. How not to worship? Do not separate life from worship. Husband told about his wife something like this. My wife is an angel in the church. But she is the devil in the kitchen. I think this is true of most of us. Beloved, true worship actually begins with our lifestyle. Turn with us to the book of Romans 12th chapter. Look at the first words. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. What is your reasonable worship? Very simple, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. When we say present your bodies as a living sacrifice, it looks too religious and it is not practically and easily understandable. Apostle Paul has explained to us what exactly presenting our bodies to God means. 
The same book of Romans, the sixth chapter. Look at the 19th verse. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. In other words, he is explaining it in the way any human being will be able to understand. Just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members or organs as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Earlier, whatever was the enticing temptation, we immediately yielded our bodies. We are very aware of it and we remember that. In the same way, now you yield your bodies and present the organs of your bodies as a living sacrifice for doing right things, righteous things, godly things. And what will be the end of that kind of offer? Look at the 19th verse again. That leads you finally to holiness. This is the holiness that we need very importantly in the area of worship. That is why the Bible again and again says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Take for example a few verses, First Chronicles 16th chapter. And look at the 29th verse. Give to the Lord the glory due to His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Same truth is repeated in Psalm 29. Second verse. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 96. To the ninth verse. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The Bible states the same statement three times, emphasizing that holiness. So the first aspect of holiness is presenting our bodies unto God as living sacrifice. Another dimension of that holiness that is required for worship is our interpersonal relationship. Turn with us for an example in 1 Timothy, 2nd chapter. Look at the 8th verse. I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And here Paul admonishes men in the church to lift up holy hands in worship, in praise, in prayer. What are holy hands? Without wrath and without unnecessary dissensions. In other words, what are holy hands? When you are in good interpersonal relationship, the hands you lift up to God in worship, they are holy hands. This was the repeated message of the Old Testament prophets. For example, turn with a prophetic message in the book of Isaiah 1st chapter. To the 15th verse. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. What is the problem? Your hands are full of blood. When do you say that somebody's hands are full of blood? Only a murderer's hands are full of blood. 
And what exactly that blood-handedness is given to us in the 17th verse? Learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widows. They all refer to our interpersonal relationship. Beloved, if our relationships are faulty, our hands are bloody. That is so categorically and clearly told by Apostle John in his first epistle. First John 3rd chapter. Look at the 15th verse. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Anyone, he can be of whatever religious standing or spirituality, that is secondary. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has got eternal life abiding in him. That is why Jesus Christ so clearly said, when you come to the altar, you have to take care of your brother whom you have offended. Now turn with us to Matthew's Gospel 5th chapter. Read verses 23 and 24 to you. If you bring your gift to the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer the gift. Because, beloved, the Bible is so clear on our interpersonal relationship to be set right if our worship must be acceptable before God. Now, why exactly Jesus said, if your brother has got something against you? Now, if you look at verse 22 of the same chapter, Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, rascal, shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So having said it, Jesus said, if your brother has something against you. In other words, Jesus here primarily points out the verbal abuse towards other people. Now that Apostle James also is very strict about. Turn with this book of James 3rd chapter, verses 9 to 11. With our tongue we bless our God and Father. And with the same tongue, we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So beloved, when we raise our voices and worship to God, we shall recollect how we have been interacting with people with our words. You know, holiness and relationship are interrelated. Book of Hebrews 12th chapter. Look at the 14th verse. Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Peace with men and holiness before God are interrelated. They are interlinked and they are interlocked. One is not complete or possible without the other. That's why Apostle John said, if you cannot love a brother whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? You know, Christians are divided into two categories. 
Sunday Christians and Monday Christians. You know, Sunday Christians, they crowd the church. Now only Monday Christians will impact the society. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So if we want people to glorify God, they will see only our works. They are not impressed by our worship. We Christians, we should not uh, separate too much the sacred from the secular. Because for a Christian, nothing is secular. Whether he eats or drinks or whatever he does, it must be done for the glory of God. So even eating and drinking has to be for the glory of God means where is uh, the secular thing and where is the thing that is different from it which is sacred. Beloved, these days there is so much of talk on worship. But very little is talked about lifestyle. But beloved, according to Jesus Christ, first talk about lifestyle and then you go to worship. How do I say that? There was a woman whom he met in Samaria. Before talking to her about worship, he started talking to her about her husband. Because your lifestyle is more important before you can express it as worship unto God. Yes, beloved, it is holiness that adds beauty to our worship. Not the dresses of the singers. Not the multiplicity of the musical instruments. And not the hi-fi techniques that we use in worship. Not the flashing color lights that we use in worship. You know what is true beauty in worship? It is the beauty of holiness. Yes, that's why the Bible says, Worship God in the beauty of holiness. How not to worship? Do not separate life from worship. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this tremendous lesson that we have learned from your word in this telecast. Many times, we God, we divorce and we separate life from worship. We never care about the way we live, but Lord, we are excited in worship. Thank you, Lord, for the correction that we have received today. Help us, O oh God, whenever we lift up our hands, our hands are holy hands before you. Help us, O oh God, to always present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is an acceptable worship before you. Thank you, Lord, for this lesson again. We worship you. We praise you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.